Chapter 31 On Forsaking Creatures to Find the Creator The Disciple Lord, I am greatly in need of yet more abundant grace if I am to reach that state where no creature can impede my progress. For as long as anything holds me back, I cannot come freely to you. One who desired to fly freely to you said, Who will give me wings like a dove? I will fly and be at rest. And who is more perfectly at rest than the man of single purpose? Who more free than he who desires nothing upon earth? Wrapped in spirit, a man must rise above all created things, and perfectly forsaking himself, see clearly that nothing in creation can compare with the Creator. But unless a man is freed from dependence on creatures, he cannot turn freely to the things of God. This is the reason why there are so few contemplatives, for there are few who can free themselves entirely from transitory things. A soul needs much grace to be raised up and carried beyond itself. Yet, unless a man's soul is raised, set free from all attachment to earthly things, and wholly united to God, neither his knowledge nor his possessions are of any value. So long as he esteems as precious anything outside the one, infinite and eternal good, he will remain mean and earthbound in spirit. For whatever is not God is nothing, and is to be accounted nothing. There is a great difference between the wisdom of a devout man enlightened by God and the knowledge of a learned and studious scholar. More noble by far is the learning infused from above by divine grace than that painfully acquired by the industry of man. Many desire the grace of contemplation, but few take the trouble to practice what is essential to it. It is a great obstacle if we rely on external signs and the experience of the senses and pay small regard to the perfecting of self-discipline. I hardly know what motives can inspire us or what our purpose may be when we who wish to be considered spiritual take so much trouble and are so concerned with trivial daily affairs, and so seldom give our full and earnest attention to our interior life. Alas, after a short meditation we break off, and do not make a strict examination of our lives. We do not consider where our affections really lie, nor are we grieved at the sinfulness of our whole life. Yet it was because of the wickedness of men that the flood came upon the earth. When our inner inclinations are corrupted, the actions that spring from them are also corrupted. And this is a sign of our lack of inner strength, for from a pure heart alone springs the fruit of a holy life. A man's achievements are often discussed, but seldom the principles by which he lives. We inquire whether he is brave, handsome, rich, clever, a good writer, a fine singer, or a hard worker, but whether he is humble-minded, patient and gentle, devout and spiritual, 
is seldom mentioned. Nature regards the outward characteristics of a man. Grace considers his inner disposition. And while nature is often misled, grace trusts in God and cannot be deceived. Chapter 32 On Self-Denial and Renunciation of Our Desires Christ My son, complete self-denial is the only road to perfect liberty. Those who are obsessed by self-interest and self-love are slaves of their own desires. They are greedy, inquisitive and discontented. They spend themselves in pleasures, but never in the service of Jesus Christ, their whole interest being in passing affairs. But all that is not of God shall perish utterly. Observe this simple counsel of perfection. Forsake all, and you shall find all. Renounce desire, and you shall find peace. Give this due thought, and when you have put it into practice, you will understand all things. The Disciple Lord, this is not the work of a single day, and no easy matter. These few words contain the whole way of spiritual perfection. Christ My son, do not be discouraged or diverted from your purpose at hearing of this way of perfection. Rather, let it spur you to higher things, and at least to set your heart on them. If only you would do this, and attain that state where you cease to be a lover of self, and stand ready to do my will and his whom I have appointed as your father, you would greatly please me, and your whole life would be filled with joy and peace. You have still many things to renounce, and unless you surrender them to me without reserve, you cannot obtain what you ask of me. I counsel you to buy from me gold, refined in the fire, that you may be rich in that heavenly wisdom that rejects all worthless things. Despise the wisdom of the world and every temptation to please others or yourself. I have said, exchange what men consider desirable and honourable for that which they hold in low esteem. For true heavenly wisdom, having no exalted opinion of itself, seeks no recognition from the world, is almost disregarded by men and seems to them useless and of no importance. Many pay it lip service, but it plays no part in their lives. Yet this is the precious pearl that remains hidden from many. Chapter 33 on inconstancy of heart. Christ, my son, do not trust your affections, for they are changeable and inconstant. All your life you are subject to change, even against your inclination. At one time you are cheerful, at another sad, now peaceful, now troubled, now full of devotion, now wholly lacking it, now zealous, now slothful, 
now grave, now gay. But the wise man, who is well-versed in spiritual matters, stands above these changing emotions. He pays small regard to his momentary feelings and whims, but directs all the powers of his mind towards the right and true end. Thus, having fixed his gaze and kept his intention constantly on me, he can remain single in purpose and unshaken under all circumstances. The more single his purpose, the more steadily will a man pass through all the storms of life. But in many, this single purpose becomes obscured. For men pay ready attention to any pleasant thing that comes their way, and it is a rare thing to find anyone wholly free from the sin of self-interest. Thus the Jews once came out of Bethany to Martha and Mary, not for Jesus' sake only, but to see Lazarus. Therefore make your intention pure, single, and upright, that it may be directed to me alone without hindrance. Chapter 34 On God's graciousness to those who love him. The Disciple Oh, my God and my all, what more can I possess? What greater joy can I desire? Word of sweetness and delight to all who love the word better than the world and its treasures. My God and my all, to the wise these words suffice, and he who loves you will delight to repeat them again and again. When you are present, all is joy. When you are absent, all is gloom. You bring rest to the heart true peace and true gladness. You cause us to think well of all and to praise you in all, for nothing can give us lasting joy without you. Whoever knows your joys will find joy in all things, but whoever knows nothing of your joys will find no joy in anything. Those who are worldly wise and sensual minded lack your wisdom for in the world lurks much vanity, and in the flesh, death. Those who follow you by despising worldly things and mortifying their bodily desires are truly wise. They abandon illusion for truth. They forsake the flesh for the spirit. These have their delight in God alone, and whatever good they discover in creatures, they ascribe wholly to the glory of their Maker. But how vast is the difference between enjoyment of the Creator and enjoyment of His creation, between things of eternity and those of time, between light uncreated and light created. A prayer for light. O light everlasting, surpassing all created light, Pour forth from heaven the glorious rays of your light and pierce the very depths of my heart. Purify, gladden, light and quicken the powers of my spirit that it may hold to you with joy unspeakable. Oh, when shall come that blessed and longed for hour when you fill me with your presence and be to me all in all? 
Until you grant this, I can know no fullness of joy. As yet, alas, my lower nature is strong within me. It is not yet wholly crucified, nor entirely dead. It still fights strongly against the spirit, stirring up conflicts within me, and will not allow the kingdom of the soul to remain at peace. O Christ, who rules the power of the sea and quells its raging waves, come near and help me. Scatter the nations that delight in war and overcome them in your strength. Display your mighty power, I pray, and show yourself glorious in might. I have no hope nor refuge but in you. O Lord my God. Chapter 35 How there is no security from temptation. Christ My son, there is no security from temptation in this life, and as long as you live, you will need spiritual weapons. Your road lies among enemies, and you are liable to attack from every quarter. Unless you carry the shield of patience, you will not long remain unwounded. And unless you fix your heart on me with a firm resolve to suffer gladly for my sake, you will not endure the heat of battle, nor win the crown of the saints. Bear all things manfully, and strike lustily at your enemies, for the bread of heaven is the reward of the victor, and the slothful is left in unutterable wretchedness. If you look for rest in this life, how can you attain eternal rest? Dispose yourself not to rest, but to patient endurance. Seek true peace not on earth, but in heaven. Not in man, nor in any other creature, but in God alone. For love of God, cheerfully endure everything, labor, sorrow, temptation, provocation, anxiety, necessity, weakness, injury, and insult, censure, humiliation, disgrace, contradiction, and contempt. All these things foster your growth in virtue, for they test the unproved servant of Christ and form the jewels of his heavenly crown. I will grant an eternal reward for your brief toil and boundless glory for your passing trouble. Do you imagine that you can always have spiritual joys at will? My saints did not, but had many troubles, countless trials, and great desolation of soul. But they patiently endured all these things and trusted in God rather than themselves, knowing that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory to be won hereafter. Do you wish to enjoy immediately what many others have only won after much sorrow and struggle? Wait for the Lord. Fight manfully and with high courage. Do not despair, do not desert your post, but steadfastly devote yourself, body and soul, to the glory of God. I will give you a rich reward and will be with you in all your troubles. 
Chapter 36 Against the Vain Judgments of Men Christ My son, trust in God with all your heart. If your conscience bears witness to your devotion and innocence, you need not fear the judgments of men. It is a good and holy thing to suffer in this way, and it will not be a burden to the humble heart that trusts in God rather than itself. Many people talk too much, and little attention should be paid to them. Moreover, it is quite impossible to please everyone. Although St. Paul endeavoured to be pleasing to all men in the Lord, and became all things to all men, yet he cared very little what they thought of himself. He did whatever lay in his power to bring instruction and salvation to others, but even he could not escape being misjudged and despised by others. Accordingly, he trusted himself wholly to God, who knows all things, and opposed the shield of patience and humility to the unjust accusations, empty lies, and vain boasts of his detractors. Notwithstanding, sometimes he replied to them, lest this silence should give scandal to the weak. Why should you fear mortal man? Today he is here, tomorrow he is gone forever. Fear God, and you need never fear man. What real harm can the words or actions of any man do you? He injures himself rather than you, and he cannot escape the judgment of God, whoever he be. Keep God always before you, and do not engage in bitter controversies. Even if for the present you seem to suffer defeat and undeserved disgrace, do not complain, nor lessen your due reward through impatience. Instead, raise your eyes to me in heaven, for I have power to deliver you from all shame and wrong and to reward every man according to his merits. Chapter 37 How surrender of self brings freedom of heart. Christ My son, renounce self and you shall find me. Retain no private choice or personal interest, and you will always be the gainer. As soon as you yield yourself unreservedly into my hands, I will grant you even richer graces. The Disciple How often shall I yield myself, and in what way forsake myself, Lord? Christ Always and at all times, in small things as well as in great. I make no exceptions, for I desire to have you wholly divested of self. Otherwise, unless you are wholly stripped of self-will, how can you be mine or I yours? The sooner you do this, the better it will be with you, and the more completely and sincerely you do it, the better you will please me, and the greater will be your gain. Some resign themselves, but with some reservation. These do not put their whole trust in God, 
and are therefore concerned to provide for themselves. Others at first offer everything, but later are overcome by temptation and return to their former state. These make very little progress in virtue and will never obtain the true freedom of heart nor enjoy the favour of my friendship unless they first make a complete surrender and daily offering of themselves to me. Without this, no fruitful union with me can exist or endure. I have often said to you, and I now say once more, renounce yourself, surrender yourself, and you shall enjoy great inner peace. Give all for all, look for nothing, ask nothing in return. Rest purely and trustingly in me, and you shall possess me. Then you will be free in heart, and no darkness will oppress your soul. Strive for this, pray for this, desire this one thing, that you may be stripped clean of all selfishness and follow Jesus in complete self-abandonment, dying to self that you may live to me forever. Then will all vain fantasies be put to flight, and all evil disorders and groundless fears vanish. Then will all fear and dread depart, and all disordered love die in you. Chapter 38 On the Right Ordering of Our Affairs Christ my son, take great care to ensure that in every place, action, and outward occupation, you remain inwardly free and your own master. Control circumstances and do not allow them to control you. Only so can you be master and ruler of your actions, not their servant or slave. A free man and a true Christian enjoying the freedom and high destiny of the children of God. These stand above the things of time and view those of eternity, seeing in their true light both earthly and heavenly things. The things of this world have no hold over the children of God. On the contrary, they draw them into their service and employ them in the ways ordained by God and established by the heavenly architect who has left nothing in his creation without its due place. Stand firm in all circumstances. Do not judge by outward appearances or reports as men do, but in each instance enter like Moses into the tabernacle to ask guidance of the Lord. Sometimes you will receive God's answer and return instructed on many matters, both present and future. For Moses always had recourse to the tabernacle to obtain an answer to his doubts and questions, and he took refuge in prayer to support him amidst the dangers and wickedness of men. Similarly, must you take refuge in the depths of your heart and pray most earnestly for God's help. We read that Joshua and the children of Israel were deceived by the men of Gibeon because they had not first asked counsel of God. Therefore, in giving credit to their statements, they were misled 
by the pretended piety. Chapter 39 How we should not be over-anxious. Christ My son, always commit your cause to me, and I will bring it to a good issue in due time. Wait until I order it, and you will find it to your advantage. The Disciple Lord, I readily commit everything into your hands for my own judgment is of small value. I wish I were less concerned about the future and could unreservedly submit myself to your good pleasure. Christ My son, a man often labours incessantly to obtain his desire, but when he has obtained it, he begins to change his mind for man's affections do not remain constant, but tend to move from one object to another. It is therefore no small advantage if a man can renounce self, even in small things. Man's true spiritual progress depends on the denial of self, and he who renounces self is completely free and secure. But the old enemy, the adversary of all good, never ceases to tempt man. Day and night he lies in ambush, hoping to trap the unwary into the snares of his deceit. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Chapter 40 How man has no personal goodness of which to boast. The Disciple Lord, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you visit him? What has man done to deserve your grace? Lord, I have no cause to complain if you abandon me, and if your will is contrary to my desires, I have no right to plead against it. But this I may rightly think and say, Lord, I am nothing, and I can do nothing. I have no good of myself, but I'm imperfect in every respect and always tend to nothing. Unless you guide my soul and grant me strength, I become weak and completely helpless. You, O oh Lord, remain ever yourself, abiding in eternity, good, just and holy, ordering all things in goodness, justice, and holiness, and disposing them in wisdom. But I, who am always more ready to slip back than go forward, never remain the same, for seven times have passed over me. Yet when you deign to stretch out your hand to help me, my state is quickly changed for the better. For you alone, and without human aid, can help and strengthen me so that I may no longer be unstable, but turn my heart to you alone and be at peace. No mortal man can comfort me, and if only I could wholly renounce all human comfort, whether to increase my devotion or because my needs compel me to seek you, then I could rightly trust entirely to your grace and rejoice in the gift 
of your renewed comfort. Whenever things go well with me, I offer thanks to you, from whom all proceeds. Before you, I am empty nothingness, a weak and unstable man. I have nothing of which to boast, nothing for which I merit any consideration. Can nothing boast of its nothingness? This would be the height of vanity. Empty conceit is like an evil disease and the most monstrous of vanities, for it leads a man away from true glory and robs him of heavenly grace. For so long as a man is filled with complacency, he displeases you. And while he hankers after popularity and praise, he is deprived of true virtue. True glory and holy joy are to be found in giving glory not to self, but to you. Rejoicing not in one's own strength, but in your name. Taking no pleasure in creatures, unless it be for your sake. Praised be your holy name, not mine. I will praise your name, but not my own. I will esteem your doings, not my own. I will bless your holy name. I desire no share in the praises of men. You alone are my glory. You alone are the joy of my heart. I will offer you praise and glory every hour of the day, but for myself I will glory in nothing, unless it be my own weakness. Let the Jews seek such glory as men give to one another. I will seek the glory that God alone can give. For all human glory, all this world's honours, all earthly titles, compared with your eternal glory, are mere vanity and foolishness. O blessed Trinity, my God, my truth, my mercy, to you alone let all things ascribe all praise, honour, power and glory throughout endless ages. Chapter 41 On Contempt for Worldly Honours Christ My son, do not be discouraged if you see others given honours and advancement while you are overlooked and humiliated. Lift up your heart to me in heaven and the contempt of men will not trouble you. The Disciple Lord, we are blind and are easily deceived through vanity. If I carefully examine my life, I find that no creature has ever done me wrong and I have no right to complain. But because I have so often and grievously sinned against you, every creature is rightly in arms against me. Shame and contempt are my just due. But to you, O Lord, be praise, honour and glory unless I am ready, willing and glad to be despised and abandoned by all creatures and to be regarded as of no consequence, I cannot obtain inward peace and stability, nor can I become spiritually enlightened and fully united to you. Chapter 42 That our peace cannot depend on man.
Christ. My son, if your peace depends on anyone by reason of your affection or friendship with him, you will always be unsettled and dependent on him. But if you turn to the living and eternal truth, the departure or death of your friend will not distress you. Your love for a friend must rest in me, and those who are dear to you in this life must be loved only for my sake. No good and lasting friendship can exist without me, and unless I bless and unite all love, it cannot be pure and true. You should be so mortified in your affection towards loved ones that for your part you would forego all human companionship. Man draws the nearer to God as he withdraws further from the consolations of this world. And the deeper he descends into himself and the lower he regards himself, the higher he ascends towards God. He who attributes any goodness to himself obstructs the coming of God's grace. For the grace of the Holy Spirit always seeks a humble heart. If you would perfectly overcome self and set yourself free from love of creatures, I would come to you with all my grace. But while your interest is in creatures, the vision of the Creator is hidden from you. Learn then for love of the Creator, to overcome self in everything, and you shall come to the knowledge of God. But so long as anything, however small, occupies too much of your love and regard, it injures the soul and holds you back from attaining the highest good. Chapter 43 a warning against vain and worldly learning. Christ. My son, do not allow fair phrases and subtle sayings to beguile you. For the kingdom of God comes not by words, but by my power. Pay attention to my words, for they fire the heart and lighten the understanding, foster contrition and bring all comfort. Never study in order to appear more wise and learned. Study rather to overcome your besetting sins. For this will profit you more than will the grasp of intricate problems. When you have read and mastered many subjects, always return to this fundamental truth, that I am he who teaches man knowledge and who grants my children a clearer understanding than man can impart. He whom I teach will swiftly gain wisdom and advance far in the life of the Spirit. But those who seek curious knowledge from men and care nothing for my service, Will discover only sorrow. In due time Christ will come, the teacher of teachers and lord of angels. He will hear the lessons of all, that is, he will examine each man's conscience. He will search Jerusalem with lamps, the hidden things of darkness will be brought to light and the tongues of controversy silenced. 
I am God, who enables the humble-minded to understand more of the ways of the everlasting truth in a single moment than ten years of study in the schools. I teach in silence, without the clamour of controversy, without ambition for honours, without confusion of argument. I teach men to despise earthly things, to find this present life burdensome, to seek eternal things, to shun honours, to endure injuries, to place all trust in me, to desire nothing but myself and to love me ardently above all things. There was once a man who loved me very dearly, who learned my divine secrets and spoke eloquently of me. He profited more by renouncing everything than by studying subtleties. For to some I speak on everyday affairs, to others on particular matters. To some I graciously reveal myself in signs and symbols, while to those who are enlightened I reveal my mysteries. A book has but a single voice, but is not equally profitable to all who read it. I alone am the teacher of truth, the searcher of man's heart, the discerner of his doings, and I give to each man as I judge right. Chapter 44 On Avoiding Distractions Christ My son, you must needs be ignorant of many things, so consider yourself as dead and crucified to the whole world. Furthermore, you must turn a deaf ear to many things and consider only such as bring peace. It is better to turn away from controversial matters and leave everyone to hold their own opinions than to belabor them with quarrelsome arguments. So long as you remain in God's grace and carry his will in your heart, you will more easily endure apparent discomfiture. The Disciple Lord, to what a pass have we come? We grieve over a worldly loss. We labour and hustle to gain some small profit, forgetting the harm to our souls and seldom recalling it. We attend to matters of little or no value and neglect those of the greatest importance. For when a man devotes all his energies to material affairs, he rapidly becomes immersed in them unless he quickly recovers his senses. Chapter 45 How we should not believe all we hear The Disciple Lord, help me in my trouble, for vain is the help of man. How often have I found no loyalty where I expected to find it, and how often have I found it where I least expected. It is useless to place our hope in man, Salvation is to be found in you alone, O God. In all that befalls us, we bless you, O Lord our God. We are weak 
and unstable, changeable and easily deceived. None of us can guard himself so carefully and completely that he is never deceived nor in doubt. But whoever trusts in you, Lord, and seeks you with a pure heart does not easily fall. And if he encounters any trouble, however great it be, you will swiftly deliver or comfort him. For you never abandon those who trust in you to the end. Rare indeed is a faithful friend who stands by his friend in all trouble. And you, Lord, are the most faithful of all friends, and there is none like you. How wise was the holy soul, Saint Agatha, who said, My mind is firmly established and grounded in Christ. Were this true of myself, I should never fear any man, and no bitter words could disturb me. We cannot foresee the future or provide against evils to come. And if things that we expect often harm us, how can unexpected events do otherwise than seriously harm us? Why have I not made better provision for my unfortunate self? And why have I trusted so readily in others? For we are but mortal men and nothing if not weak, even if many people imagine and say that we are angels. There is none in whom I can trust, Lord, save yourself, who are the truth and who neither deceives nor can be deceived. But every man is deceitful, weak, unstable and fallible, especially in what he says, so that we should not at once believe even what at first appears to be true. Your wisdom warns us to beware of man since a man's enemies are those of his own household, and we may not believe any who says he is here or he is there. I have learned this to my cost, and I only hope that it may make me more careful and correct my foolishness. Be discreet, says one. Be discreet and keep what I tell you to yourself. And while I remain silent about it, imagining it to be a secret, he cannot himself keep the silence which he enjoined on me, but at once betrays both himself and me and goes on his way. From such tales and from such indiscreet folk, protect me, O Lord. Do not let me fall into their power, nor behave in the same way myself. Make my conversation truthful and trustworthy, far removed from slyness. For what I do not tolerate in others, I must myself avoid at all costs. To remain silent about others makes for peace and goodwill, neither believing all that is said nor repeating what one has heard. There are few to whom we should open our hearts, but we should always seek you, who see into all hearts. We may not allow ourselves to be carried to and fro by the windy blast of words, but rather pray that all our life, both public and private, may be ordered in conformity to your will. A sure way of retaining the grace of heaven is to disregard outward appearances and diligently to cultivate such things as foster amendment of life and fervour of soul 
rather than to cultivate those qualities that seem most popular. Very many people have been harmed by publicity and by lightly bestowed praise of their virtues. But grace is most powerful when preserved in silence in this transitory life, which consists wholly of temptation and warfare. Chapter 46 On putting our entire trust in God Christ My son, stand firm and trust in me. What are words but words only? They fly to and fro but hurt not so much as a stone. If you are guilty, consider how you should willingly amend. If you have nothing on your conscience, resolve to endure this willingly for God's sake. It is a small thing to endure hard words from time to time if you are not yet able to bear hard blows. The reason why you take such trifles to heart is that you are still worldly and pay greater regard to men's opinions than you ought. Because you fear their contempt, you do not like to be corrected for your faults and you take refuge in excuses. If you examine yourself more carefully, you will find your heart still full of worldly desires and a foolish anxiety to please men. For when you shrink from the humiliation and reproof that your faults deserve, it is clear that you are not truly humble, neither are you dead to the world, nor the world crucified to you. Listen only to my words, and you will care nothing for ten thousand words of men. Even if you were charged with every crime that could be maliciously invented, how could it harm you if you let it pass and paid absolutely no attention to it? Could such a torrent of words harm a single hair of your head? But the man who keeps no guard over his heart and does not regard God is easily unsettled by a word of reproof, whereas he who trusts in me and does not cling to his own judgment will fear no man. For I am the judge and discerner of secrets. I understand the motives of every action. I know both him who inflicts the wrong and him who suffers it. It is by my will and permission that events happen, in order that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. I will judge the guilty and the innocent, but firstly I wish to test them in secret judgment. The witness of men is often false, but my judgment is true. It shall stand and shall not be set aside. It is hidden from many, and revealed in its fullness only to few. Nevertheless, even though it may appear unjust to the foolish, it does not and cannot err. Therefore always come to me for justice, and put no trust in personal opinions. The just man will not be anxious whatever God allows to happen to him. Even if a groundless accusation is laid against him, he will not greatly care. 
nor will he be unduly elated if he is fairly acquitted by others, for he knows very well that it is I who examine both the heart and the senses and do not judge according to outward appearances. For those things which men regard as commendable are often blameworthy in my sight. The Disciple O Lord God, most just judge, strong and patient, who know the weakness and wickedness of man, be my strength and all my trust, for my own conscience is not sufficient. You know what is unknown to me, and I should therefore have been humble when blamed, and borne it meekly. Be gracious and pardon the occasions when I have not done this, and once again give me grace to endure more patiently. Your abundant mercy will better obtain my pardon, then will my fancied innocence satisfy my inmost conscience. For although I may not be conscious of any fault, yet this does not absolve me. If you withhold mercy, no man living can be absolved. Chapter 47 How Burdens Must Be Born to Win Eternal Life Christ My son, do not let the work that you have undertaken for my sake break your spirit, nor any hardships discourage you. Let my promise be always your strength and comfort. I can give you a boundless reward. You will not labour here for long, nor will sorrow always be your lot. Wait but a short while, and you will see a speedy end to your troubles. The time will come when all toil and trouble will cease. Everything temporal is short-lived and of little consequence. Labour with all your might. Work faithfully in my vineyard. I myself will be your reward. Write, study, worship, and be penitent. Keep silence and pray. Meet all your troubles like a man. Eternal life is worth all this and yet greater conflicts. Peace will come at a time known only to the Lord. It will not be day or night as we know it but everlasting light, boundless glory, abiding peace and sure rest. You will not say then, who will free me from this mortal body, nor cry, alas, how long is my exile? For the power of death will be utterly broken and full salvation assured. No anxiety will remain, but only blessed joy in the fair and lovely fellowship of the saints. If you could but see the saints crowned in endless glory, you would at once humble yourself to the dust and would rather be the servant of all than lord it over a single person. For the saints are now as high exalted as they were formerly accounted by this world, low, despicable and unfit to live. You would not hanker after a pleasant time in this life, but rather be glad to suffer for God's sake and accounted the greatest gain to be considered of small importance among men. 
If the things of God were your true delight and pierced your inmost heart, you would never complain. Is not all labour to be endured for the sake of eternal life? It is no small matter to win or lose the kingdom of God. Raise your eyes to heaven. See, here am I, and with me are all my saints, who in this world fought a great fight. They are now filled with joy and consolation. They are now safe and at rest, and they shall remain with me forever in the kingdom of my Father. Chapter 48 On Eternity and the Limitations of This Life The Disciple O ever-blessed palaces of the heavenly city, a glorious day of eternity on which night never throws its shadows and whose perpetual light is the sovereign truth, O day of unending gladness and of everlasting and unchanging security, how greatly I long for the dawning of this day and the end of all worldly things. On the saints this day already shines, resplendent with everlasting glory. But to us who are pilgrims on earth it appears but dim and distant. The citizens of heaven now taste the joys of this day, but we, exiled children of Eve, mourn our bitterness and weariness, for the days of this life are short and evil, full of grief and pain. Here man is defiled by many sins, ensnared by many passions, a prey to countless fears. Racked by many cares and distracted by many strange things, he is entangled in many vanities. He is hedged in by many errors, worn out by many labours, burdened by temptations, enervated by pleasures, tormented by want. Oh, when will all these evils come to an end? When shall I be set free from the unhappy slavery of sin? When, O oh Lord, shall my mind be fixed on you alone? When shall the fullness of your joys be mine? When shall I enjoy true freedom, untrammeled and untroubled in mind or body? When shall true peace be established, peace untroubled and secure, peace both inward and outward, Peace in every way assured. Good Jesus, when shall I stand in your presence? When shall I see the glory of your kingdom? When will you be all in all to me? When shall I dwell with you in your kingdom, which you have prepared from eternity for those whom you love? I am left exiled and destitute in the land of my enemies, where there are daily wars and awful calamities. Give me comfort in my banishment and ease my grief, for my whole desire and longing is for you alone. Everything that this world offers me as comfort is utterly distasteful. 
I long for close communion with you, but cannot attain to it. I wish to hold fast to heavenly things, but worldly affairs and desires that I cannot master hold me down. I wish my mind to rise freely above all these things, but my body holds me its unwilling captive. Thus I struggle unhappily with myself. I am a burden to myself, for while my spirit longs to mount heavenwards, my body desires to remain below. Oh, how deep is my pain! For whenever I try to contemplate heavenly things, a flood of worldly thoughts at once pours in upon me as I pray. My God, do not desert me. Do not abandon me in your anger. Strike with your lightning and scatter them. Loose your arrows at the enemy and utterly defeat all his wiles. Recall all my senses to yourself and cause me to forget all worldly things. Help me to reject with scorn all the promptings of vice. O everlasting truth, come to my aid and let not vanity move me. Come, O delight of heaven, and put to flight every impure thing. Grant me pardon and in your mercy deal kindly with me whenever I think of anything but yourself at prayer. For I freely confess that I am usually beset by many distractions. Often, indeed, I do not really remain in my body at all, but am carried away by my thoughts. Where my thoughts come to rest, there am I, and my thoughts are most frequently with the things I love. For whatever is either delightful of itself or has become pleasant through custom comes readily to the mind. It is for this reason that you, who are the truth, have plainly said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If I love heaven, I think readily of heavenly things. If I love the world, I take pleasure in the delights of the world and grieve in its troubles. If I love my body, my imagination dwells often on the things of the body. If I love the spirit, I love to think on the things of the spirit. For whatever things I love, it is of these that I am eager to speak and hear, and I have these interests always at heart. Blessed is the man who for your sake, Lord, bids farewell to every creature and forcibly overcoming his natural inclinations, crucifies the desires of the flesh by the very fervour of his spirit, in order that he may offer you pure prayer with a quiet conscience. Having excluded all worldly things from his heart and life, he will be worthy to take his place in the choir of angels. Chapter 49 On the desire for eternal life and the wonder of God's promises. Christ My son, when you realize the heavenly origin of your desire for eternal blessedness and long to escape from the prison of the body in order to be able to contemplate my unchanging glory, 
then open your heart and eagerly receive this holy inspiration. Offer fervent thanks for my divine generosity that deals with you so kindly, visits you with mercy, inflames you to ardour, and powerfully supports you, lest your own nature cause you to relapse into worldliness. It is not by any resolution or effort of your own that you receive this gift, but solely by the favour and grace of heaven and God's regard. It is granted that you may grow in virtue and in deeper humility, and may prepare yourself for further conflicts, striving with wholehearted devotion to hold fast to me and serve me with sincere goodwill. Son, there are many fires, but the flame never ascends unaccompanied by smoke. Similarly, the desires of some are a fire for heavenly things, while they themselves are not yet free from the lusts of the flesh. Therefore, they do not act solely for the glory of God when they make such earnest requests of him. And your own desires, which you think so sincere, are often like this. For no desires are pure and perfect that are tainted by self-interest. Do not ask for what is pleasant and profitable to yourself but what is acceptable to me and tends to my glory. For if you view things in their proper light, you will prefer and follow my direction rather than your own desires, whatever they may be. I know your desire and have often heard your cry. You long for the glorious liberty of the sons of God, while your eternal home and the joys of the heavenly country already draw your heart. But the time for this has not yet come. There remains warfare, work and trial. You desire to be filled with the supreme good, but you cannot attain this blessing now. I am that good. Wait for me, says the Lord, until the coming of the kingdom of God. You must still be proved in this life, and many trials await you. Consolation will sometimes be granted you, but not in its fullness. So be strong and courageous, both in doing and enduring what by nature is repugnant to you. It is necessary for you to become a new man and to be changed into another person. It is often your duty to act against your own inclination and to set aside your own wishes. The affairs of others may prosper while your own wishes are frustrated. The words of others will be listened to while yours will be disregarded. Others will ask and receive their request while you ask and receive nothing. Others will be highly commended while you remain unrecognized. Others will be entrusted with this or that office while you are not considered suitable for anything. Your nature will cry out at this treatment, but it will be a great achievement if you remain silent, for in these and similar ways the faithful servant of our Lord is tested 
that he may learn to deny and subdue himself in everything. There is hardly anything in which we have such need to die to self as in seeing and suffering things that are contrary to our wishes, especially when we are ordered to do what appears inconvenient and useless. And because, being under authority, you do not presume to resist the higher power, it seems a hardship to bow to the will of another and to yield your own opinion. Consider the results of your work, my son, its approaching end and its boundless reward. Then it will not make you unhappy, but powerfully strengthen your resolution. In return for the surrender of your own will, you shall always have your will in heaven. There you will find all that you wish, all that you can desire. There you will enjoy all good things without fear of loss. There your own will shall always be in accord with mine, and you will desire no personal good but myself. None will oppose you there, none complain of you, obstruct or thwart you. Everything that you desire will be at hand and will stimulate your love and fill it to overflowing. There you will receive glory in return for insults suffered here, a robe of honour instead of grief, and in return for your humble place on earth, a throne in my heavenly kingdom. There will the fruit of your obedience appear, your acts of penance be turned to joy, and your former humble subjection be crowned with glory. For the present, then, bear yourself humbly towards all men, and do not mind who it is that speaks or commands. But take care that whether it be your superior, your inferior, or your equal who makes any request or suggestion, you take it all in good part, and sincerely try to fulfil their wish. Let men seek many different things, one making pleasure in this, another in that, and being highly commended for it. For your part, take pleasure in none of these things, but in the humble esteem of yourself, and in my good pleasure and honour alone. Let this be your constant desire, that whether in life or death, God may at all times be glorified in you. Chapter 50 On Trust in God in All Trouble The Disciple O Lord God, Heavenly Father, blessed be your name forever. As you decree, so it is done, and whatever you do is always good. Let all my joy depend on you, not on myself or on any other thing, for I am your servant. You alone are my true joy, Lord, my hope and my crown, my gladness and my honour. I, your servant, possess nothing that is not your gift and have no merit of my own. All things are yours, both what you have given and what you have created. I am poor and in trouble from my youth up, and my soul is often distressed to the point of tears. Sometimes, too, it is oppressed by the sufferings that beset me. 
I long for the joys of your peace, and I pray most earnestly for the peace of your children, who are refreshed in the light of your comfort. Give me this peace, and fill my heart with holy joy. Then will the soul of your servant be full of song and entirely devoted to your praise. But when you withdraw yourself, as you often do, I cannot follow the way of your commandments. Instead, I fall on my knees and beat my breast, because things are not with me as they formerly were, when your light shone upon my head, and I was protected under the shadow of your wings from the temptations that assailed me. O righteous Father, ever to be praised, now is the hour of your servant's trial. Father, worthy of all love, it is right that I should now suffer something for your sake. O Father, ever to be honoured, the hour has come which has lain in your foreknowledge from all eternity, when for a while your servant will seem utterly defeated. Yet let him inwardly feel your presence. He will be maligned and humiliated, a failure in the eyes of men, broken by suffering and sickness, that with you he may rise again in the light of a new dawn and receive glory in heaven. This, most holy Father, is by your appointment, and all is done as you have ordained. To your friends you grant this favour, that for love of you they endure every trouble that you allow to come upon them, for nothing can happen in this world without your foreknowledge and consent. Lord, it is good for me that you have humbled me, that I may learn your justice and banish all conceit and presumption from my heart. It is good for me that I have suffered humiliation, that I may seek comfort in yourself rather than in men. Thus have I learned to stand in awe of your unsearchable judgments, who correct both the just and the wicked with equity and justice. I thank you that you have not spared my wrongdoing, but have punished me with bitter pain, inflicted sorrow on me and sent me troubles of every kind. Nothing under heaven can comfort me but you alone, O Lord my God. For you are the heavenly physician of souls, who both wound and heal, who cast down and raise up again. Your discipline corrects me and your very scourge will heal me. Most loving Father, I place myself entirely in your hands. I submit to your correction. Strike me until my wayward stubbornness yields to your will. Make me your true and humble disciple, as you are wont to do, that I may serve your good pleasure in all things. To your correction, Lord, I deliver myself and all I am, for it is better to be punished in this life than the next. All things lie within your knowledge, and nothing in the conscience of man is hid from your eyes. You know all things before they come to pass, and need no man to inform you of the happenings of this earth. You know what is needful to my progress, and how well trouble serves to scour away the rust of my wickedness. Do with me according to your good pleasure, 
and do not reject my sinful life, known to none more fully and clearly than yourself. Grant me, Lord, to know all that I should know, to love what I should love, to esteem what most pleases you, and to reject all that is evil in your sight. Let me not judge superficially by what I see, nor be influenced by what I hear from ignorant men, but with true judgment to discern between things spiritual and material, and to seek your will and good pleasure at all times and above all else. The mind of man is often deceived in its judgment, and worldly men are deceived in their concern for material things alone. Is any man made the better for being highly honoured by his fellows? When one man flatters another, then one deceiver deceives another. The vain deceives the vain, the weak deceives the weak, and the higher the flattery, the deeper the shame it brings in its train. For what every man is in your sight, O Lord, that he is and nothing more, says the humble Saint Francis. Chapter 51 How when we lack strength for higher work, we should undertake humble tasks. Christ My son, you cannot always burn with zeal for virtue, nor remain constantly in high contemplation. The weakness of sinful human nature will at times compel you to descend to lesser things, and bear with sorrow the burdens of this present life. So long as you wear this mortal body, you will be subject to weariness and sadness of heart. Therefore, in this life you will often lament the burden of the body, which hinders your giving yourself wholly to the life of the Spirit and to divine contemplation. When this happens, you will be wise to resort to humble, exterior tasks, and to restore yourself by good works. Await my coming with unshakable trust, and bear your exile and desolation of spirit with patience until I come again and set you free from all anxiety. Then you will forget all your former toil and will enjoy inward peace. I will unfold before you the fair fields of the scriptures, and you shall advance in the way of my commandments with heart at liberty. Then you shall say, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Chapter 52 how no man is worthy of God's comfort. The Disciple Lord, I am not worthy of your comfort, nor of any spiritual consolation. You deal justly with me when you leave me poor and desolate. Could I shed a sea of tears, I should still not deserve your comfort. I merit nothing but scourging and punishment, for I have gravely and frequently offended you and have done much evil. All things considered, therefore, I do not deserve the smallest consolation. 
yet most gracious and merciful God, you do not will that any of your creatures should perish. Desiring to show your generosity and goodness to those who receive your mercy, you reach down to comfort your servant above his deserts and in ways above man's knowledge. For your consolation is not as the empty words of men. What have I done that you should grant me any comfort from heaven? I cannot recall any good that I have done, but have been ever prone to sin and slow to amend. This is the truth, and I cannot deny it. If I pleaded otherwise, you would confront me, and none could defend me. What have I deserved for my sins but hell and everlasting fire? I sincerely confess that I am fit only for scorn and contempt. I am unfit to be counted among your faithful servants. Although it pains me to repeat it, yet for truth's sake I will accuse myself that I may better deserve your mercy. Guilty and confused, what shall I say? I can but say, I have sinned, O Lord, I have sinned. Be merciful and forgive. Spare me a while that I may show my sorrow before I go down into the darkness and shadow of death. Why do you demand of a guilty and wretched sinner that he repent and humble himself for his offences? It is because in true penitence and humbleness of heart is born the hope of pardon. The troubled conscience is reconciled, lost grace restored. Man is spared the anger of God, while God and the penitent soul greet each other in a holy embrace. Humble sorrow for sin is an acceptable sacrifice to you, Lord, and is more fragrant in your sight than clouds of incense. This is the precious ointment which you once allowed to be poured on your sacred feet, for you have never despised the contrite and humble heart. Here, at your feet, is the place of refuge from the hatred of the enemy. Here is the place of amendment and cleansing from every stain of sin. Chapter 53 How God's grace is not granted to the worldly-minded. Christ my son, my grace is precious and may not be mingled with worldly concerns and pleasures. Therefore, if you wish to receive it, you must remove every obstacle to grace. Seek out a place apart and love the solitary life. Do not engage in conversation with men, but instead pour forth devout prayer to God that you may preserve a humble mind and a clean conscience. Count the whole world as nothing and place attendance on God before all outward things. For you cannot attend on me and at the same time take pleasure in worldly things. 
remain detached from acquaintances and friends and independent of this world's consolations. It is for this reason that the blessed Apostle Peter begs all the faithful in Christ to keep themselves as strangers and pilgrims in this world. With what confidence will a man meet death to whom no worldly affection clings? But a weak soul cannot bear to be thus detached from all things, nor can a worldly-minded man understand the freedom of the spiritual man. Nevertheless, when a man sincerely desires to be spiritual, he must renounce all, both friend and stranger, and must beware of none more than himself. If you can win complete mastery over self, you will easily master all else. To triumph over self is the perfect victory. For whoever so controls himself that his passions are subject to his reason, and his reason wholly subject to me, is master both of himself and of the world. If you aspire to reach this height of perfection, you must make a brave beginning. Lay the axe to the roots, to cut out and destroy all inordinate and secret love of self and of any personal and material advantage. From this vice of inordinate self-love spring nearly all those other failings that have to be completely overcome. But as soon as this evil is mastered and subdued, great peace and lasting tranquility will follow. But few endeavour to die completely to self and to rise wholly above it. Consequently, they remain absorbed in themselves and quite unable to rise in spirit above self. He who desires to walk with me in true freedom must mortify all irregular and undisciplined desires and have no selfish longing for any creature. Chapter 54 On the Contrary Workings of Nature and Grace Christ My son, carefully observe the impulses of nature and grace, for these are opposed one to another, and work in so subtle a manner that even a spiritual, holy and enlightened man can hardly distinguish them. All men do in fact desire what is good, and in what they say, and do pretend to some kind of goodness so that many are deceived by their appearance of virtue. Nature is crafty and seduces many, snaring and deceiving them, and always works for her own ends. But grace moves in simplicity, avoiding every appearance of evil. She makes no attempt to deceive and does all things purely for love of God, in whom she rests as her final goal. Nature is unwilling to be mortified, checked or overcome, obedient or willingly subject. Grace mortifies herself, resists sensuality, 
submits to control, seeks to be overcome. She does not aim at enjoying her own liberty, but loves to be under discipline, and does not wish to lord it over anyone. Rather, does she desire to live, abide, and exist always under God's rule, and for his sake she is ever ready to submit it to all men. Nature works for her own interest and estimates what profit she may derive from others. Grace does not consider what may be useful or convenient to herself, but only what may be to the good of many. Nature is eager to receive honour and reward. Grace faithfully ascribes all honour and glory to God. Nature fears shame and contempt. Grace is glad to suffer reproach for the name of Jesus. Nature loves ease and rest for the body. Grace cannot be idle, but welcomes work cheerfully. Nature loves to enjoy rare and beautiful things and hates the cheap and clumsy. Grace takes pleasure in simple and humble things, neither despising the rough nor refusing to wear the old and ragged. Nature pays regard to temporal affairs, takes pleasure in this world's wealth, grieves at any loss and is angered by a slighting remark. But grace pays attention to the things eternal and is not attached to the temporal. The loss of goods fails to move her or hard words to anger her, for she lays up her treasure and joy in heaven when none of it can be lost. Nature is greedy and grasps more readily than she gives, loving to retain things for her personal use. But grace is kind and generous, shuns private interest, is contented with little, and esteems it more blessed to give than to receive. Nature inclines a man towards creatures, to the body, to vanities, to restlessness. But grace draws a man towards God and virtue. Renouncing creatures, she flees the world, loathes the lusts of the flesh, limits her wanderings and shuns public appearances. Nature is eager to enjoy any outward comfort that will gratify the senses. Grace seeks comfort in God alone and delights in the sovereign good above all visible things. Nature does everything for her own gain and interest. She does nothing without fee, hoping either to obtain some equal or greater return for her services, or else praise and favour. But grace seeks no worldly return and asks for no reward but God alone. She desires no more of the necessaries of life than will serve her to obtain the things of eternity. Nature takes pleasure in a host of friends and relations. She boasts of noble rank and high birth, makes herself agreeable to the powerful, flatters the rich, and acclaims those who are like herself. But grace loves even her enemies, takes no pride in the number of her friends, 
and thinks little of high birth unless it be allied to the greater virtue. She favours the poor rather than the rich and has more in common with the honourable than with the powerful. She takes pleasure in an honest man, not in a deceiver. She constantly encourages good men to labour earnestly for the better gifts and by means of these virtues to become like the Son of God. Nature is quick to complain of want and hardship, but grace bears poverty with courage. Nature, struggling and striving on her own behalf, turns everything to her own interest, but grace refers all things to God from whom they come. She attributes no good to herself. She is not arrogant and presumptuous. She does not argue and exalt her own opinions before others, but submits all her powers of mind and perception to the eternal wisdom and judgment of God. Nature is curious to know secrets and to hear news. She loves to be seen in public and to enjoy sensations. She desires recognition and to do such things as win praise and admiration. But Grace does not care for news or novelties, because all these things spring from the age-old corruption of man, for there is nothing new or lasting in this world. Grace, therefore, teaches us how the senses are to be disciplined and vain complacency avoided how anything likely to excite praise and admiration should be humbly concealed, and how in all things and in all knowledge some useful fruit should be sought, together with the praise and honour of God. She wants no praise for herself or her doings, but desires that God may be blessed in his gifts, who out of pure love bestows all things. Grace is a supernatural light, and the especial gift of God, the seal of his chosen, and the pledge of salvation, which raises man from earthly things to love the heavenly, and from worldly makes him spiritual. The more, therefore, that nature is controlled and overcome, the richer is the grace bestowed, while man is daily renewed by fresh visitations after the likeness of God. Chapter 55 On the Corruption of Nature and the Power of Grace The Disciple O Lord my God, you have created me in your own image and likeness. Grant me this great grace, so necessary to my salvation, that I may conquer the base elements of my nature that drag me down into sin and perdition. Within my being, I can feel the power of sin contending against the rule of my mind, leading me away, an obedient slave to all kinds of sensuality. I cannot resist its onslaughts unless your most holy grace is poured glowing into my heart to help me. I need your grace in fullest measure to subdue that nature which always inclines to evil from my youth up for it fell through Adam, the first of men, and was tainted by sin, 
the penalty of that fault descending upon all mankind. Thus the nature which you created good and upright has now become the very symbol of corruption and weakness, for when left to itself, it leans always towards evil and base things. The little strength that remains is only like a small spark buried beneath ashes. Yet this same natural reason, though hidden in profound darkness, still retains the power to know good and evil, and to discern truth and falsehood. But it is powerless to do what it knows to be good. Neither does it enjoy the full light of truth, nor its former healthy affections. Thus, O Lord my God, it comes about that while I inwardly delight in your law and know your commands to be good, just and holy, both for the condemnation of all evil and the avoiding of sin, yet in my body I serve the law of sin and obey my senses before my reason. Hence, while I indeed possess the will to good, I find myself powerless to follow it. In this way, I make many good resolutions, but through lack of grace to support my weakness, any small obstacle causes discouragement and failure. Thus, too, I know the way of perfection and see clearly enough what I ought to do. But I am borne down by the burden of my own corruption and advance no nearer to perfection. Lord, how urgently I need your grace if I am to undertake, carry out and perfect any good work. Without it, I can achieve nothing. But in you and by the power of your grace, all things are possible. O true and heavenly grace, without which our own merits are nothing and our natural gifts of no account. Neither arts nor riches, beauty nor strength, genius nor eloquence have any value in your eyes, Lord, unless allied to grace. For the gifts of nature are common to good men and bad alike, but grace or love are your especial gift to those whom you choose, and those who are sealed with this are counted worthy of life everlasting. So excellent, is this grace that neither the gift of prophecy, nor the working of miracles, nor any speculation, however sublime, is of any value without it. Indeed, not even faith or hope or any other virtue is acceptable to you without love and grace. O most blessed grace, that makes the poor in spirit rich in virtues, and the richly blessed humble in heart. Come, descend on me, fill me with your comfort, lest my soul faint from weariness and dryness of mind. I pray, Lord, that I may find favour in your sight, for your grace is sufficient for me, even if I obtain none of those things that nature desires. However often I am tempted and troubled, I will fear no evil so long as your grace remains with me. Your grace is my strength, my counsel and my help. It is more powerful than all my enemies and wiser than all the wise. 
It is the teacher of truth, the instructor of doctrine, the light of the heart, the consoler of affliction. It banishes sorrow, drives away fear, fosters devotion, and moves to contrition. Without grace I am nothing but a dry tree, a barren stock fit only for destruction. Therefore, O Lord, let your grace always lead and follow me, and keep me ever intent on good works, through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Chapter 56 How we must follow Christ's way of the cross in self-denial. Christ my son, you will be able to enter into me insofar as you are prepared to forsake yourself. And as the absence of craving for material things makes for inner peace, so does the forsaking of self unite man's heart to God. I wish you to learn perfect self-surrender and to accept my will without argument or complaint. Follow me who am the way, the truth, and the life. Without the way, there is no progress. Without the truth, there is no knowledge. Without the life, there is no living. I am the way you must follow, the truth you must believe, the life for which you must hope. I am the imperishable way, the infallible truth, the eternal life. I am the most noble way, the ultimate truth, the true life, blessed and uncreated. If you remain in my way, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free, and you shall lay hold on eternal life. If you wish to enter into life, keep my commandments. If you wish to know the truth, believe me. If you wish to be perfect, sell everything. If you wish to be my disciple, deny yourself. If you wish to possess the blessed life, despise this present life. If you wish to be exalted in heaven, be humble in this world. If you wish to reign with me, bear the cross with me. For none but the servants of the cross discover the way of blessedness and true light. The Disciple Lord Jesus, just as your brief life was despised by the world, grant that I may follow you in bearing the world's contempt. For the servant is not greater than his master, nor is the pupil superior to his teacher. Let your servant be instructed in your life, for it is the source of salvation and true holiness. Whatever I study or hear beside this affords me neither new strength nor fullest joy. Christ My son, since you know and have studied these things, blessed are you if you do them. Whoever truly loves me knows and obeys my commands. I will love him 
and will reveal myself to him, and he shall reign with me in the kingdom of my Father. The Disciple Lord Jesus, let it be as you have said, and may I merit the fulfilment of your promise. I have accepted the cross from your own hands. As you have laid it upon me, I have accepted it and will bear it until death. The life of a good religious is truly a cross, but it is also our guide to paradise. We have begun. We may not turn back, nor can we abandon it. Up then, my brothers, let us go forward together. Jesus will be with us. For Jesus' sake, we have taken up the cross. For Jesus' sake, let us persevere in it. He will be our helper who is also our leader. He has gone before us. See, our king advances in the vanguard and will fight for us. Let us follow like men. No terrors shall daunt us. We must be ready to die bravely in battle and never tarnish our glory by deserting the cross. Chapter 57 That we should never despair Christ My son, patience and humility in adversity are more pleasing to me than great devotion and comfort in times of ease. Why are you so distressed when you are criticised in some small matter? had it been a far more serious matter that is no reason for your being disturbed. Let it pass. It is not your first mistake or anything new, nor if you live long will it be your last. You are brave enough when you meet no opposition. You can give good advice and encouragement to others, but when trouble knocks unexpectedly at your own door, your strength and judgment fail you. Remember the great weakness you often experience in small troubles, yet these things happen for your own good. Banish discouragement from your heart as best you can, and if trouble comes, never let it depress or hinder you for long. At the least, bear it bravely if you cannot bear it cheerfully. Even if you are reluctant to bear it and feel indignant, yet control yourself and let no rash words escape you that may harm Christ's little ones. The violence of your feelings will soon subside and grace return to heal your inner pain. I live, says the Lord, ready to help and comfort you more than ever if you will trust me and call on me with devotion. Be of good heart and steel yourself to endure greater trials. All is not lost, however often you feel tempted or sorely troubled. You are a man, not God. You are human, not an angel. How can you expect to remain always in a constant state of virtue when this was not possible even for an angel of heaven nor for the first man in the garden? 
I am he who grants healing and comfort to those in distress, and I raise up to my divinity those who acknowledge their weakness. The Disciple Lord, blessed are your words. They are sweeter to my mouth than honey and the honeycomb. What would I do in such trials and troubles as mine if you did not uphold me with your holy words? So long as I come at last to the haven of salvation, what matters the kind or magnitude of my sufferings? Grant me a holy end and a joyful passing out of this world. Remember me, O oh my God, and lead me in the right way to your kingdom. Chapter 58 How we may not inquire into the unsearchable judgments of God. Christ My son, avoid controversy over high things and the judgments of God. Do not argue why this person is so forsaken while another is endowed with great graces, or why one person is so grievously afflicted while another is so richly rewarded. These things are above human understanding, and neither reasoning nor argument is competent to explain the judgments of God. Therefore, when the enemy suggests these things to your mind, or when inquisitive people ask about them, answer with the prophet, You are just, O Lord, and your judgments are right. My judgments are to be respected, not discussed, for they are beyond the comprehension of the human mind. Do not dispute over the merits of the saints, which is the holier or which the greater in the kingdom of heaven. This often breeds strife and unprofitable arguments, feeding pride and empty boasting, from which in turn spring envy and dissension, while one proudly seeks to praise this saint and another that. Now this desire to know and explore such matters is unprofitable and is displeasing to the saints themselves. I am not the God of dissension, but of peace, and my peace is founded on humility, not on self-exaltation. Some, in their ardent enthusiasm, profess a greater devotion to one saint than to another. But this devotion is of human origin, not divine. I am he who made all the saints. I gave them grace. I endowed them with glory. I know the merits of each. I went before them with my blessings. I foreknew my loved ones before time began. I chose them out of the world. They did not first choose me. I called them by grace. I drew them by mercy. I was their guide in many a temptation. I poured forth on them wonderful consolations. I gave them perseverance and I crowned their patience. I know them, the first and the last, and enfold them all in my boundless love. 
I am to be praised in all my saints. I am to be blessed above all things and to be honoured in each of these whom I have predestinated and raised to such glory with no previous merits of their own. Anyone, therefore, who disparages one of the least of my saints in no way adds to the glory of a greater by so doing, for small and great alike are my creation. And any who speaks lightly of any of the saints speaks lightly both of myself and of all the company of heaven. All are one in the bond of charity. Their thoughts and aspirations are one, and all love each other as one. But this is higher still, that they love me more than themselves and their own merits. Caught up out of themselves and carried beyond love of self, they are wholly engaged in loving me, in whom they rest in peace and joy. Nothing can distract or dismay them, for they are full of the eternal truth and burn with the fire of unquenchable charity. Let base and worldly men therefore refrain from dispute about the state of the saints, for such men care for nothing but their own gratification. In their own interest they exaggerate or belittle facts and pay no regard to the eternal truth. In the case of many, it is through ignorance, especially in those who are but little enlightened and are seldom capable of loving anyone with a perfect and spiritual love. Such people are still strongly attracted to one person or another by natural affection and human friendship. And as they behave towards men on earth, so do they imagine that they can regard the saints in heaven. But the thoughts of imperfect men are immeasurably below those implanted in the enlightened by the revelations of God. Beware, therefore, my son, of being over-curious about matters beyond your knowledge. Let your aim and object rather be to be counted even among the least in the kingdom of God. Even if a man could know who is the holiest and greatest in the kingdom of heaven, of what use could this knowledge be, unless it led him to humble himself before me and rise up to praise my name with increased devotion? It is far more acceptable to God that a man consider the enormity of his own sins, the smallness of his virtue, and how far he is from the perfection of the saints than that he should dispute who is the greater or lesser among them. It is better to supplicate the saints with devout prayer and sorrow and to implore their glorious prayers than to search into their secrets with vain curiosity. The saints enjoy a good and perfect contentment. Ah, if only men could be content and control their empty talk. The saints do not boast of their own merits. They ascribe no goodness to themselves, but all to me, for I gave them everything out of my boundless love. They are filled by so deep a love for God and with so overflowing a joy that nothing is wanting to their glory, nor can anything be lacking in their happiness. 
the higher they stand in glory, the more humble are the saints in themselves, and the closer they are to me and better loved. Thus you have the scripture. They cast down their crowns before God and fell on their faces before the Lamb, and they adored him who lives for ever and ever. Many ask, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, not knowing whether they themselves will ever be counted even the least in it? It is a great thing to be even the least in heaven, where all are great, for all shall be called the children of God and shall truly be so. The least shall be valued as a thousand. The sinner, though he be an hundred years old, shall perish. When the disciples inquired who should be the greater in the kingdom of heaven, they received this reply. Unless you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whosoever shall humble himself as this little child shall be the greater in the kingdom of heaven. Woe to those who are too proud readily to humble themselves like little children, for the humble gates of heaven will not open to admit them. Woe also to the rich who enjoy their pleasures in this life, for while the poor enter into the kingdom of heaven, they shall stand weeping outside. Be glad, you humble. Leap for joy, O poor. The kingdom of God is yours if you will but live in the truth. Chapter 59 That we should hope and trust in God alone. The Disciple Lord, in what can I trust in this life? And what is my greatest comfort on earth? Is it not yourself, O Lord my God, whose mercy is limitless? Have I ever prospered without you? And did I ever suffer ill when you were at hand? I would rather be poor for your sake than rich without you. I would choose to be a wanderer on the face of the earth with you, rather than to possess heaven without you. For where you are, there is heaven, and where you're not, there is death and hell. You are my sole desire, for you I sigh, pray and cry. I cannot put all my trust in any mortal man to afford me help sufficient for my needs, but in you alone, O oh my God. You are my hope, my trust, and my strength, most faithful in all things. Men seek their own interest, but you, Lord, seek only my salvation and welfare and turn all things to my good. Even when you expose me to various temptations and hardships, you order these entirely for my own good, for it is your way to test your chosen servants by many trials. During trials of this kind, my love and praise is your due, no less than when you fill my soul with heavenly comfort. It is in you, then, O Lord God, that I place my whole hope and trust. 
On you I lay all my trouble and distress, for wherever I look elsewhere, I find all things weak and unstable. The number of my friends will be unavailing. Powerful allies will be unable to help. Wise counsellors will not be able to give me a helpful answer, nor learned books give comfort. No precious substance can ransom me, nor can any secret and pleasant place afford refuge, unless you yourself stand at my side to help me, to strengthen, cheer, instruct, and protect me. Unless you abide with me, all things that seem to bring peace and happiness are as nothing, for they cannot bestow true happiness. You alone are the end of all good things, the fullness of life, the depth of wisdom. And the greatest comfort of your servants is to trust in you above all else. My God, Father of mercies, I look to you, I trust in you. Bless and hallow my soul with your heavenly blessing, that it may become your holy dwelling and the seat of your eternal glory. Let nothing remain in this temple of your glory to offend the sight of your divine majesty. Of your great goodness and abundant mercy, look on me and hear this prayer of your humble servant, an exile from home in the land of the shadow of death. Guard and preserve the soul of your servant amid the many perils of this corruptible life. Let your grace go with me and guide me in the way of peace to my native land of perpetual light. <laughs>